Thanks to Harry's for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel. Go to harrys.com fool. It's Monday, September 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Thanks for being here. Yeah, pleasure. Always. We had the Emmy Awards last night, so we are going to dig into the battle for the living room in a moment. But first, we're going to get to the deal of the day. And that is uh, in the defense industry. Northrop Grumman buying Orbital ATK, which I, I I always think of it as or, Orbital Sciences. But anyway, buying Orbital ATK, all cash deal, a pretty significant premium compared to where it closed on Friday. This is an industry that you've looked at before. What did you think when you saw this deal? Yeah, you look at about twenty percent appreciation to the stock price, as you mentioned last week, and. Uh, I definitely like the deal. It's complementary to what Northrop Grumman already has. Not a lot of overlap here. Um, so you're looking at uh, launch vehicles, some rocket technology, and smaller satellites. So um, definitely accenting what Northrop Grumman already offers in the defense sector with their larger satellites and their unmanned aircraft and, and missiles as well. So um, I, I definitely like the deal. And maybe you can uh, you can thank Kim Jong Un a little bit for the, <laughs> for the announcement of this. After launching uh, Labor Day rockets over Japan not too long ago, you think that this you think that's what sped up this deal from Northrop Grumman? Like, you know what? <laughs> we need some more of this tech. Let's yeah. give the people at Orbital ATK a call. Well, I mean, you look at Orbital ATK specializing a lot in um, anti-missile defense. So certainly, if you can envision the future of war, it seems like that might be um, pretty important. It's nothing that you ever want to envision, but uh, certainly, if you're a public company and that's your line of business. You'd be doing your shareholders a disservice if you weren't envisioning envisioning the, the next five, ten, twenty years down the road. Well, and I don't know uh, who's on the board of directors at Northrop Grumman, but it is. I mean, to your point, this is a situation where you can imagine someone on someone internally, but also someone on the board calling up the CEO and saying, uh, "By the way." How are we doing in this one particular area? Yeah. And if we're not where we need to be, you know, as as we've talked about from time to time, if we can't grow ourselves, let's go out and buy some growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you look at what what this is, you look at the kind of wars we've been in most recently, uh, ground wars and, and th- dealing with navy and aircraft, where the anti missile defense systems are are fairly old in this country because we're talking about being built during the Cold War for the same reason that we're talking about it now with North Korea. So. Uh, you could potentially look at the Republican Party looking to spend some money here in this one particular area, and that happens to be Orbital ATK's bread and butter. Uh, I have to mention uh, uh, David Gardner's weekly podcast, Rule Breaker Investing, um, which, if if you're not listening to that, you absolutely should be clicking the subscribe button over there. His most recent episode, which uh, was published last Wednesday, mm-hmm. was David talking about Five stocks that uh, sort of the average investor probably has not heard of or is probably not all that familiar mm-hmm. with, uh, and these are stocks that David has recommended at, at various points in his investing life through different services. Orbital ATK was one of them, which he first recommended ten years ago when it was forty-three dollars a share. Now you look at the buyout price of one hundred thirty-four dollars yeah. fifty cents a share. That's a tidy little two hundred. Ten percent gain at a time when the market's up about seventy percent over the same time period. So, it has his ear to the train tracks always. Yeah, absolutely. Although I do, I do like one of the things David said in the episode where 
because I think David gets this this question a lot. I think a lot of, of analysts get this question, but David definitely does, which is sort of where, where do you get your ideas? Mm-hmm. How do you you know? And um, one of the things he mentioned with reference to orbital ATK was he said, "I just like space. Yeah, I just I'm just interested in outer space." And increasingly, there are businesses that are uh, operating that way. Yeah, and if you think about it, I've been looking at this space recently uh, from a company in Canada out of Vancouver, McDonald Detweiler and Associates. Um, they're hoping to get their shares listed on the New York Stock Exchange sometime in the very near future, uh, so maybe U.S. investors can get access there. But um, one of the largest, if not the largest, satellite manufacturer in the world um, just recently started working more and more with the U.S. government, got their, got their clearance. They're building a facility here out in California. So um, maybe another way for investors in the U.S. to access the satellite market. But um, when you look at what Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are trying to do with these reusable rockets and just allowing launches to happen on a weekly basis, uh, for much much cheaper, you know, Elon Musk wants to reduce the cost of launching into space by a t- multiple of ten. So, um, making it much more feasible to launch satellites on a consistent basis and talk about repairing satellites in space, which is something that both McDonald Detweiler and Orbital ATK are trying to do, basically acting as as a tow truck to latch onto these satellites and operate them without even taking them out of orbit. So, um, certainly the next frontier and billions and billions of dollars are going to be spent there. Before we get to the Emmy Awards from last night, uh, and this is tied into the battle for the living room, uh, Roku, which is the video streaming business, has set the price for their upcoming public offering at $14 a share. They're looking to raise about a quarter of a billion dollars. They could use that, because uh, (laughs) Roku is not yet profitable. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about this business, because it really does seem like... Unfortunately for Roku, they appear to have a product that people who use it like a great deal, mm-hmm. but not the greatest business model in the world to support that product. Well, yeah, I wish we kind of had JMO in here because he's kind of hinted at his feelings about it in the past. But um, kind of a one-trick pony when you're, com- especially when you're comparing it to Amazon Fire Stick. Clearly not Amazon's, you know, thoroughbred, but it's something that they're they're selling at a very reasonable price and. Very similar offerings to Roku, and then you have the Google Chromecast, um, Apple TV, uh, Xbox, and PlayStation are doing very similar things. So, makes me makes me a little nervous. Uh, and needless to say, I will not be investing in a Roku IPO or any time down the road, at least from what I've seen so far. I love the chutzpah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just love the I love the foresight to say. Cable cutting is real. More people are going to cut the cord. We're going to start a business that goes in the yeah. direction that we think people are going in. So that's great. And also, the chutzpah to say, yeah, Apple, Amazon, and Google, bring Microsoft, it up. Yeah. everybody, Sony, <laughs> bring it on. And and maybe that is part of someone's thesis for buying into this IPO that, hey, they actually do make, Roku does make something that people like, and, yeah. maybe, and maybe they become a buyout candidate as a result of that. That being said, more often than not, when we ask the question, is the prospect of company X being bought by someone else, is that a reason to buy the stock? More often than not, the answer is, Either no, mm-hmm. or it really shouldn't be number one on your list. Yeah, no, that's far too much speculation for me. Uh, by the way, the uh, the industry focus podcast, the Friday edition, where they talk about technology, uh, September eighth, 
uh, Dylan Lewis did a deep dive on the Roku IPO. A lot of good information there. And they're going to be doing a follow-up episode after it goes public. But uh, check that out if you want to go a little deeper on Roku's IPO. That's the September 8th episode. And uh, his uh, his guest, Evan New, uh, one of our contributors here at The Fool, uh, I'll just tell you, uh, Evan has a cold for that episode. So there's just there's some sniffling that goes on. Just hang in there. All the information is worth it, I promise. Did Roku make him sick or, or? I know, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, 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 wasn't I'm not, the IPO's fault? I know. <laughs> definitely was not. Uh, before we get to the Emmy Awards, I want to say thanks to Harry's for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. I love Harry's products. I've been a customer of theirs for years. I used it this morning. That's why the face is so You're smooth. looking fresh. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They're giving you their trial set for free. You just cover the $3 in shipping. $3. Come on. $3 to make your face look good? That's a bargain at twice the price. <laughs> so stop messing around with whatever you're shaving with. You got one face, you want to treat it right. Get started shaving with a free trial set that includes a razor handle, five blade cartridge, and shave gel. A $13 value for free. Just cover the shipping. Go to harrys.com slash fool. That's harrys.com slash fool. The Emmy Awards were handed out last night. This is the the big night for the television industry, uh, certainly for the creators of television. And uh, it was interesting to see the results in this sense. The trend that we have seen over the past few years of non-broadcast television dominating the awards, that held up, although I will say that NBC and ABC had pretty good nights uh, just in terms of who took home the most statues, HBO 29, Netflix 20, and then followed by N- NBC, Hulu, and ABC. Again, good night for, uh, in particular for NBC. Mm-hmm. I guess the surprise of the night, to the extent that there was one, was Hulu. Which <laughs> no is, kidding. Which, uh, you I know, didn't even know they had original programming. Well, that's the thing. Hulu's done, they've dabbled in original programming here and there. Mm-hmm. For a while, but this is um, this is a really big splash for them. The Handmaid's Tale, uh, taking home best drama and first time ever for a streaming service. I think. I think that's right. Um, and uh, you know, Amazon, for all of their success, and I know, I mean, as, as you mentioned with the Fire Stick, it's yeah. not it's not their lead thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Um, neither is the original programming, but um, just uh, from a creative standpoint. Uh, I think I think Amazon brought home two last night, mm-hmm. but um, well, they're putting billions of dollars to work at trying to catch up to Netflix. So it yeah. could be it could be one of the main racehorses further down the line. Who knows? I think so. Was there anything that surprised you when you when you looked at the awards? I mean, for me, it was absolutely the fact that you had two traditional broadcast networks in NBC and ABC, and obviously with their parent com- companies being respectively Comcast and Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Hulu's getting all the headlines, but I feel like broadcast TV had a good night. They needed it, yeah. Especially when you see Netflix almost doubling its nominations from just a year ago, up from zero, maybe about a handful of years ago, up to ninety-one Emmy nominations. So, and and HBO not too too far behind. So, they needed a big night, and uh, I, I think they got it. Whether or not they continue that momentum uh, will remain to be seen for the next year or so. I also appreciate that Netflix uh, solved the mystery of the billboards that have been showing up in, in Southern California that ah. said um, Netflix is a joke, and they, <laughs> they unveiled the uh, the commercial with 
Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, mm-hmm. Ellen DeGeneres, and just sort of promoting their. I mean, you talk about them spending money. They're spending a lot of money on comedy. Yeah, that, and I also speaking of commercials, um, I appreciated the Amazon NFL commercial where it was the the Bears versus the Packers as their first game, I guess, and they had. They had a commercial with bears fishing salmon and then actual human packers fishing salmon and basically throwing the salmon back and forth like a football. Pretty creative, I thought. I didn't realize that their streaming of Thursday Night Football didn't begin until week four. So, uh, th- yeah, it caught me off guard. As yeah, well. it was. I think it was either last Wednesday or th- mm-hmm. it must have been last Thursday. But I was thinking, oh, I'm going to watch the game tonight. Eh. I think I'd li- I think I'd like to just watch this on you know on my laptop. And yep. I pulled it up and they were just typed in Thursday Night Football and it's like oh. I gotta wait a couple weeks. <laughs> Still gotta pay for the NFL Network for exactly. a couple more. All right, Taylor, welcome and thanks for it. being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>